Hi, I'm Elena, a wellness and gut health coach. I believe our greatest asset is our wellness. Because here's the thing, we can prioritise everything else with a long list of things to do, but without our health, we can't action any of it. With a new world of technology enabling work and personal life integration even more, there has never been a time where conscious effort and prioritisation of our wellness has been this important. That's why I'm committed to helping you transform your wellness and life starting from the gut, the foundation of where a healthy body and mind starts from. With dedication, can-do attitude and a positive mindset, anything can be achieved. This show is dedicated to provide you insights on how you can get there. Subscribe now and let's dive in. If you want to heal your gut, regain your energy and start losing weight in 14 days, then get instant access to my Happy Gut Healthy Weight course on wellnesswithelena.com forward slash happy gut healthy weight. Hello to all listeners. I'm Elena, a wellness and gut health coach. Welcome to today's episode where we will cover why sensitivities to food creep up later in life and how to heal from them with a very special guest who is visiting us for the second time this season, Kathy Ozakovic. Welcome, Kathy. Hi, Elena. Thanks for having me again. I'm so excited to get stuck into this topic today. Oh, it's awesome to have you here, Kathy. Thanks for joining us again. Now, if you've listened to the podcast, How to Spot the Red Flags of Eating Disorder and How Gut Health Can Help, then you may remember Kathy. If not, for those joining us for the first time, Kathy is an accredited practicing dietitian and founder of New Fit Wellness. Our paths have crossed due to our combined passion of gut health. And today we're going to get an insight into why and how sensitivities creep up later in life. Now, Kathy, you and I have spoken about how food sensitivities that we may not have had in our 20s start to creep up in our 30s and 40s. It's starting to become more and more common with young adults. Can you help our listeners understand why on earth this happens? Yeah, absolutely. I've had parents contact me asking if I can help their children who are as young as, you know, year nine, um, year 11 and 12, also very common. They're complaining about bloating and gas and constipation and gut pains and just these cramps that are crippling. And sometimes they need to take days off school, how much pain they're in. So they avoid socializing and isolate themselves. And these fears of food start to occur as well. So time and time again, I found it all stems from food habits and gut health. More and more kids are rushing to the canteen foods, which are often really highly processed. And lunch boxes are lacking nutrition nowadays as well. People are forgetting that sandwiches can be really nutritious if we pack them with the, with the right stuff. People are forgetting how to implement just the fundamentals of good nutrition. So our two and five, our two fruit and five vegetables a day, we're just forgetting these really simple principles. I see this in uni students as well. So university is very, very stressful. We've got lots of assignments and exams. Just thinking back is actually making me feel anxious right now. (laughs) (laughs) I remember the nights and the days when I was drinking cups after cups of coffee to stay up late in the evenings and finish my assignments. And at times, you know, I'd be going for the cupboards and going through the chocolates and 
any cakes that were left over. Oh, gosh. And at one point, <laughs> at one point, I'm pretty sure the stress of it and, of course, all these unhealthy habits that I had at the time, even though I was studying dietetics, my cholesterol level personally, it climbed up to somewhere around 7.5, which is huge. <laughs> yeah, like the ideal level is 4.5 and below. Here I am, a dietitian studying nutrition, just drinking cups of coffee and eating chocolates to stay up to do my assignments. No wonder. So <laughs> last time we spoke, we talked about the red flags of eating disorders and how gut health can help. So the pattern that I'm seeing with these food intolerances that are coming up in people in later in life, but we're now seeing even in younger, um, young adults especially. So I've identified two main reasons. Firstly, malnutrition due to undereating. Again, going back to those red flags about eating disorders. So malnutrition due to undereating, and then this leads to that starvation of the gut microbiome, of those hardworking gut bugs that we talked about last time. When we don't nourish these gut bugs, like any other animal or bug, they die off because they need something to sustain themselves off. So when they don't eat enough food, they can't sustain themselves and they can't build up on the beneficial bacteria. So they reduce in numbers and they can't do their job. They can't produce all those beneficial uh, short-term fatty acids that they usually do. And then the bad guys will take over. So they start to increase because they have infinite um, they have infinite sources of protein to, to sustain themselves because our gut lining is made out of protein. So they start to nibble at that. Now, the second main reason that I've identified for these intolerances that pop up later in life is malnutrition due to poor food choices. Like I said, the canteen, very mostly processed or even ultra processed, I would call them. So some processed foods that we find at the grocery store can actually be okay for us. For example, canned beans, they've just been processed to a degree so they, they can extend the shelf life. Whereas ultra processed foods, I'm really referring to the foods that are high in trans fats, high in saturated fats, high in added sugars, and um, that are really low in nutrition and you know, emulsifiers and all those artificial sweeteners as well packed in there. Basically, when you turn over the ingredient list and you have no idea what's in there, you don't understand it. <laughs> There's right? a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. So malnutrition due to poor food choices is the second biggest reason that I've found that these intolerances are popping up. So we can look at um, we can look healthy on the outside, but have a bleached coral reef system in our gut going on. When we choose predominantly these processed and ultra-processed foods, high in saturated fats, salts, refined sugars, we don't get all the good stuff from the whole foods. You know, the fiber, the antioxidants, the polyphenols, the vitamins and the minerals, the whole foods nourish our good gut bacteria and help maintain a balanced ecosystem of those gut bugs. When we're not getting our nourishing foods, well, that's where the pathogens rave our system Gut dysbiosis occurs. So gut dysbiosis is referring to this imbalance of good and bad bacteria. So whether it be from under eating because of poor nutrition choices or from 
um, whether it be from under eating or from poor nutrition choices, all, the result is the same. We're getting this bleach coral reef system as our gut microbiome. Dysbiosis in gut bacteria. Without the fiber-loving gut bugs present and without feeding them fiber, they can't do their job, like I said. They, their job is to break down the fiber as fuel, and when they do that, they produce the beneficial short-term fatty acids, and they can't do this anymore. So what happens is our gut lining weakens as a result. And that's where the junctions in the gut lining start to separate more. That's what is now commonly known as leaky gut syndrome. So just to make it completely clear, again, if I haven't mentioned this, I'm pretty sure I did last time, our gut is permeable. It is leaky to a degree. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to get the nutrition that you need from food. But this leaky gut syndrome is the dysbiosis in the bacteria which weakens our gut lining. So these intolerances start to pop up later in life. So, Kathy, I think there's a lot there. Yeah, <laughs> that's you. a lot of information. <laughs> but if I let's were to let that sink in, <laughs> let's let that sink in. Um, but if I was to summarize what you said, say into one sentence, does this mean a weakened gut lining over time it's due to malnutrition caused by undereating or poor food choices? is the main cause of food intolerances later in life. You summarised that beautifully. Absolutely. So people report like I can't have milk anymore, I can't have sweet potato, I can't eat wheat anymore, whereas, you know, in younger ages they were fine with all of this. They grew up eating bread and butter and all of a sudden they can't tolerate it. It makes me bloat, it gives me tummy cramps, it makes me feel sick. So somewhere along the way, because of malnutrition, either from the under eating or from the food, poor food choices, the gut microbiome has shifted and now favors the uh, gut bacteria that produces the chemicals that are not so good for us. Do you know what? I could relate to that a lot because I was a bit the same with gluten and funnily enough with sugar as well, mm. given that they're the enemy as well. Um, but it's definitely relatable. And I know quite a few friends around me who are in the same boat. When you said sugar, sorry, I just remembered a fun fact that our gut microbes can actually distinguish between artificial sweeteners and natural sweeteners, so like your stevia. So they prefer the plant-based ones. They actually can recognize when it is a chemical that's been made in a laboratory. Oh, definitely. I definitely felt it in the symptoms that I experienced when I was going through this. And you also mentioned the common symptoms that people experience, such as bloating and gassiness. What do you think um, listeners can do to address food sensitivities that come on later in life? And are there other symptoms to look out for? Yeah, so it's not all doom and gloom. The gut microbiome can change in as little as two weeks. So there was a study done where researchers performed a two-week food exchange in people from the same population. So African-Americans were fed a high-fiber, low-fat, rural African-style diet, and the rural Africans, who are usually on a high-fiber diet, they were fed the high-fat, low-fiber, Western-style diet that we see more commonly now with those processed foods. 
So the rural African-Americans experience an increase in inflammatory and cancer markers, whereas the African-Americans on the high-fiber diet showed a lower inflammatory markers and cancer risk after the two weeks, which is absolutely amazing. So the gut microbiome showed these changes through an increase in short-chain fatty acids, as I mentioned earlier. So when food sensitivities arise, don't panic. That will make it worse because stress impacts our gut health too. So reach out to a gut health expert and start reviewing what is going on. It is important to get the right guidance, obviously, because feelings of frustration will occur and that's just setting everything off even more. So having someone to guide you through the process, it will save you a lot of grief, a lot of pain, a lot of self-judgment and a lot of stumbling in the dark. Gut dysbiosis can be experienced in both the upper and lower gastrointestinal tract. And I think that's a really important note that people don't realize. It can manifest as reflux, for example. It can manifest as abdominal pain, cramping, constipation, diarrhea. It just really, really varies across the board. So this will often help gut health experts tailor the treatment plan to you. Sometimes it is necessary to remove the triggers for a while, build up the gut microbiome with clinical strength probiotics, and then slowly reintroduce the foods. Whereas sometimes we need to focus more on the habits around mealtimes to decrease stress. Sometimes it's about increasing variety and getting outdoors into nature Because getting outside and doing some gardening is beneficial to our gut bacteria. We are ingesting some of those healthy, friendly gut bugs in doing so. So the treatment plan will heavily depend on the client. It'll depend on their personal experience, their habits, the symptoms that they're experiencing. So the first step to healing and strengthening the gut lining is definitely to get in touch with a gut health expert. That's great insight, Kathy. Thanks so much. Can you help bring this to life by sharing an example of a client or perhaps from your personal experience, what the situation was, what they did and how soon they healed? Yeah, absolutely. So I've had quite a few clients now with food sensitivities and it's been really, really varied. Some in their late teens, some in their mid-20s, early 30s, women in their 50s with hormonal changes And I've had an 80-year-old lady too. So for each client, it was very individualized approach. It depends on their medical history, their daily responsibilities, their living arrangements, and being curious about what may have led to the weakened gut lining and the food sensitivity in the first place. It also depended on how the food sensitivity presented itself. So for example, let's take my 80-year-old lady And she was very, very stressed about her own and her husband's health. She also had diverticular disease. So diverticular disease are pouches in the large intestine. So her food intake included daily consumption of processed red meats, and she was advised to follow a low FODMAP diet. So by the time she saw me, she had cut out so much food, so many food groups out the window. She'd gone gluten-free, she was scared, she didn't want to eat anything. It was pretty doom and gloom. Now, here's the issue with doing things alone. Diverticular disease is managed with a high-fibre diet. 
So a high fiber diet actually helps decrease the likelihood of inflammation and this is known as diverticulitis. So when everything is inflamed in diverticular disease, it's called diverticulitis. That's okay. the disease manifesting. So when people attempt a low FODMAP diet and cut out a lot of foods, they also often decrease their fiber intake drastically. So you see how this is not helpful for her because to actually prevent the diverticulitis, she needs a high fiber diet, but the low FODMAP diet, if you do it alone, most likely going to be cutting out a lot of fiber. So she was already severely constipated prior to the low FODMAP diet and was already taking two Movicol sachets daily for two years prior to seeing me. And this was recommended by her GP. This poor woman. I know. There was so much going on. So no wonder she had developed so many food sensitivities and she reported bloating and burning sensation in her tummy throughout the night waking her up and she was afraid of eating with her friends. So I really want to highlight that laxatives also affect the gut health because abusing laxatives leads to malnutrition and gut dysbiosis, which then leads to weakening of the gut lining. So with her, it was a very slow approach to get her better. She was tiny as well. I've got to mention that she had there was nothing of her. So she had no weight to lose and her bloating was, you know, probably someone's normal, but she was just so uncomfortable all the time. And I think it's really, 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 really important to acknowledge our client's symptoms and how they're feeling. So with her, I used a strain-specific probiotic to help strengthen and soothe the gut lining while simultaneously reintroducing some of those foods that she had cut out so that we can start to bump up the fiber intake. It took a total of nine months. So we did monthly consultations and a few phone calls in between with me checking in on her. Keep in mind, this is an elderly lady, 80 years old, so nine months didn't seem too long to her. So we really dragged it out. We steadily worked at a pace that she was comfortable with, again, acknowledging what the client is comfortable with. Um, And this is so important with reintroducing fiber, reintroducing foods, because if a client is getting those symptoms again, we want to pull back a little bit so that they're not too uncomfortable and scared off. So we steadily worked at a pace that she was comfortable with. And then we also looked at stopping the laxative. Under the guidance of myself and in agreement with the GP, we went ahead with the plan of increasing fruits and vegetables, increasing variety, increasing fiber, switching back to gluten-containing bread because she absolutely hated, and I mean hated, the taste of gluten-free bread, and she reported it's just so expensive. We also decreased processed and red meats overall. And we introduced those probiotics and prebiotics. So this was, again, I want to highlight really slow over the course of those nine months. And now she enjoys meals with her friends without worrying about having an episode of bloating or burning sensations throughout the night. She's regular. She's not taking laxatives. And she really enjoys singing on her backyard porch to help with her stress levels. So I really wanted to share her story because it can take time. Some clients experience and come back to report everything is fixed after like two or three weeks 
And some clients need that extra time, guidance and care with the plan. It really depends on such a large number of factors. It's a, it's as unique as each individual's DNA, right? Uh, I mean, yeah. this this poor woman was suffering so much and what a transformation for her to be able to just enjoy her meals, her life. Uh, it could really impact our mental well-being as well when you're bloated every time you eat and you're out socialising with friends but you're just too uncomfortable. Absolutely. So, so what a great transformation. And I think um, if I was to summarise what you were saying, what I'm hearing from what you're saying, Cathy, is kind of threefold. So first, everyone is unique. So the strategy to heal our gut is also unique to every individual, just like our DNA. Second, stress can have a negative impact on our gut health. And third, no popular diet is a one-size-fit-for-all and it doesn't work for unique situations such as food sensitivities. So overall, seeing a professional to craft a unique strategy to heal is the ideal approach. Absolutely. Absolutely agree with all three. That was very beautifully summarised, Elena. Thank you. Today, we have covered why food sensitivities come up later in life and how to heal from them. We have heard that food sensitivities can creep up later in life, which are caused by malnutrition, which itself is caused by undereating or having poor choices with food over a period of time. The cure is very unique to each individual, just like our DNA, based on what foods we are sensitive to and what our lifestyle is. So anyone experiencing food sensitivities may want to speak to a professional to help them tailor a unique strategy to heal. An immediate action you may be able to do is to take note of any foods that cause you discomfort, such as bloating, gassiness, reflux, diarrhea, or constipation. Thanks so much, Kathy. It has been a super informative episode, and it's always a pleasure having you join me. Thanks, Elena, for having me again. Looking forward to our next chat. Thank you to all listeners who have taken the time to listen to us today. Until next time, have a gut-healthy week. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. To be notified of when the next episode is available, hit subscribe. To heal your gut, regain energy and start losing weight in 14 days, get instant access to my Happy Gut Healthy Weight course on wellnesswithelena.com forward slash happy gut healthy weight.